0: you're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, let us get into the Word of God. Um, Normally, We are in the book of Mark, and so I would have you turn there. Uh, But we're taking a little two-week pause from the book of Mark to look at something I think extremely important and dear to the Lord's heart, specifically in the life of the church where we're at. And so I want us first to turn to Matthew 28. I'm going to have you maybe jump around a bit. So if you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles on the tables right behind the last bench or share with someone next to you. Um, I may have you jump around a little bit, a little different format today. But um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is kind of where we're going to start. I'm not going to read it yet, but you can at least open there. But instead of kind of continuing in the book of Mark, we're uh, entering just the last few chapters. We're going to be pausing just for this week and next, um, specifically to talk about local and global mission how we as the church can engage and minister and witness to those around us, to our neighbors and those to the ends of the earth. And I'll I'll tell you kind of why we're doing that in a few minutes. But it just happens to be the season in the church that we're going to just be participating in these things. And so I think it's really important that we take this week to look uh, at, at, at... how we should minister locally. And next week, we're gonna be looking at how we should minister or be on mission globally. So it's a little two-part series. So if you're not gonna be here next week, you can always listen to the podcast or if you're not here today and you're listening to this podcast, it's kind of weird to say, but uh, you should listen to this and then whatever. Come come next week too. I don't know what I'm saying. You should just come to both weeks. Uh, But this week, we're talking about local missions, Next week, we're talking about global missions, and I'm really excited next week um, because I'm going to be tag team teaching with a good missionary friend of the Reality Family of Churches named Ron Miller. Ron Miller is um, a guy, 75 years old now. He's been on the missions field for 30 or so years in northern Thailand, and the Lord has um, used him to uh, start a series of orphanages. There's a handful of orphanages in Northern Thailand and in Burma that God has dramatically used him. And we've been a part of it as as a church family. And uh, we're going to be adopting him as like Reality Honolulu's first like overseas missionary. And so we get to hear some of the great missionary stories, be encouraged, be stirred, and just kind of be connected to what God is doing um, outside of Hawaii. Amen? So it's going to be great. This week, next week, it's going to be awesome. The reason why we're doing this and why we would step away from Mark, because if you're new to this church or you're visiting, we normally systematically are making our way through the book of Mark, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, almost done, been in about a year. But the reason why we're stepping away is that I I believe that what God is doing here at Reality is something really special. And I... And I don't mean that to just be like, well, this is it, and this is us. It's like God is doing something really special here, and I really, truly believe that it's a work of the Lord. Um, When we, my wife and I, and others were were coming to move to Honolulu to start reality, um, there was several well-intentioned, godly, amazing church leaders that are my friends still, that they weren't trying to do this, but... They nicely said, what you're trying to do does not work in Hawaii. I love you, but beware. Being from the mainland, this parachute, like drop in, Howley mainland church plant, doesn't work. No problem. <laughs> they said, the average lifespan of a church. That's not, that's not from Hawaii. That doesn't just, you know, a bunch of people from another church start another church, which is totally fine, and God does that all the time, all over the place. But to be a parachute church plant from the mainland, haole, lifespan, six months to three years, that's it. That's what happens. That's history. That's, that's, that's just what has happened. And I'm standing here not taking cr- any credit, right? We're, on, we're only like 10 months old, so we're still actually in the death zone, So we're still there. Uh, But I believe that what God is doing is his work. And I'm not taking any credit. No one here is taking credit and saying, oh, it's because of this. It's because of us. It's because, oh, I'm amazing. And this is what we got. And we got this thing. No, God is doing this work. And your eyes are all a part of it. And what what I believe is that when God is wanting to do something, he's just going to do it. He can do that. Despite the statistics, despite what should and shouldn't happen, remember God, remember him. Um, And so I want to take a moment to boast in Christ and tell you that I believe that God has so much more in store for us, and He's just beginning to build this new community, and He and He desires and wants so much more, and for us to partner with uh, the rest of the you know Christians in the kingdom of God to see His kingdom come. Amen, amen. So we're still in the death zone, but stay with us. We might not die. But I believe what God has been doing since October first of last year—that's as long as we've been in church. I believe what God has been doing and is doing right now is he's building a really firm foundation. He's the building blocks, the cornerstone of what he desires us to be. And I think he, he's drawn a critical mass of people together. That's, that's you guys and others that aren't here today. But there's this critical mass of people that God has drawn together. And this, the gathering of the saints has been so beautiful and wonderful. And God has really met us. And it's been awesome, and that's probably why you're here, you're coming back. It's because God is meeting you, and he's speaking to you, and he's ministering to you, and all glory be to God for that. He's been meeting us in really profound ways in this new community. But if you know much from Scripture and much about Christianity, there's so much more to it than just gathering on Sunday mornings. It's good. It's right. Like we need to be. We need to be gathering on Sundays and having ohana groups, smaller gatherings during the week, and we need to be at prayer meetings and community building events like beach days. Those are good. Those are right. We should be doing that. But the church is also, the church speaking of us, the people of God, the church is also supposed to be scattered, to be the church in the world. Outside of us gathering, we're still to be the church, and what we like to call it is the church scattered. Gathering is good. It's super good. That's why we're here and we're meeting with the Lord. But if we don't effectively scatter, if we don't participate in pouring out and being on mission and and, um, evangelizing and witnessing and proclaiming truth to non-believers, we will become really unhealthy really quick. We'll become stagnant and unhealthy and imbalanced and what you know, we like to call it is we'll become fat Christians. That's what, that's what people call it. Like we'll just soak up, soak up and eat and chew and it's only about us and we'll become this awesome bubble and we'll just keep eating and keep eating and then you become stagnant, fat Christians. That's what people call it. Unhealthy and imbalanced. A church plant like this is much like raising a baby or a kid, which many of us have done or are about to do. And there's stages of growth. Um, You know, your kid progresses and you add new things and you teach them new things and they learn new things. And, you know, there's progression from the balance bike to the, you know, training wheels to the no training wheels. There's progression as time goes on, obviously, to much more. And as parents, if you're not stretching, guiding, disciplining, and holistically raising your kid, well, what's going to happen? Your kid's going to be immature and stunted and imbalanced and lacking somewhere. That's, that's actually that's the goal. The goal is love them to Jesus, but try to stretch them. Try to challenge them. Try to, like you're trying to raise your kids by stretching and guiding and pushing and you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Some of you a lot better than I do. But I truly believe that what God is doing here is we have a critical mass of people gathered like, it's, it's, you guys are still coming back. We're not dead yet. You're still coming back. We're gathered. And I believe that it's time to go do stuff for Jesus. Like, we've got to go do stuff for Jesus. We can't, it's come still, but also go. Like, don't not, don't not gather just to scatter. We need both. We have to mobilize as Christ's disciples and go. But before I get too excited, I'm going to pray. I'm gonna pray and then we'll get into our text today. God, thank you for where you have us. Thank you for the time in the place with the people. None of it is random, none of it is haphazard. You're a God that is intimately acquainted with all ways. You, you, you created the whole world. And God, you, you desire to save the whole world. And you desire to use us to do so. God, you don't work independently from us, but you work through us. And so, God, we want to answer and heed that call. We want to be encouraged, strengthened, edified, built up, trained. And so, God, would you do that by your word today? And by the example of your word, we ask that practically we we would do these things, that we would be on mission to our neighbors for your glory. Help us, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. So we'll get back into Mark very soon. But and what we'll see there is we're about to get to the place where Jesus dies and he rises from the dead. And there's this period between when he rises from the dead till he ascends to heaven, 40 days. And in this time, during this last short period of Jesus' time on earth, he gives what I like to call some final remarks or some last words. And what we're going to look at firstly is what I told you to turn to earlier, Matthew 28:18 through 20. This is right before he ascends to heaven, some of the final things he said to his disciples. We like to call it the Great Commission. Matthew 28:18 through 20. This is what he says to them. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what Jesus is telling his disciples to do is to go to make disciples, to not just stay together, but to scatter. His final words, his, his, his last thing is he says, go. You can't just always be near me and with me and safe and in a bubble. It is my desire that you go. And by default, a disciple is a believer. You can't be a disciple if you don't believe. You have to be a believer first and then a disciple, right? So in essence, what Jesus is saying when he says, go make disciples, is he says that we need to go tell others the truth of Jesus so they get saved and then disciple them. Discipleship. Not, not just converts, but disciples. This is a difference. Convert is first. You, you become a disciple by default, but discipleship is this process. That could be a whole another sermon series but it's the process of learning what it means to follow Jesus and what it means practically for our life to come under the Lordship of Christ. And so what Jesus does here in Matthew 28 isn't, it's not called the great option or the great thing that only some of us should do. This is the great commission that all believers are commissioned to do. Christ is commissioning all believers to be disciple makers. Did you hear that? Because you might think, I'd hardly know what it means to be a disciple myself. That's okay. You're also called to be a disciple maker. So am I. So is everyone here if you're a believer. Jesus is saying this. All disciples, followers, learners are in turn called to make disciples. Remember, though, that first starts with getting people saved. It does start with evangelism. It does start with salvation, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. It continues on into discipleship as disciples of Christ. Um, did any of you guys run track? No, hardly any. Any of your kids right now run track? No. Okay, analogy is not going to work, really. But, okay, so... I'm not a long distance runner. Well, I'm trying to be right now, but it's hard. But when I was in all growing up, sprinting was my thing. I could do it. I couldn't do anything. Like honestly past hundred yards, I'm out. But up till hundred yards, I'm, I'm winning these things. I'm good. I'm good for a short amount of time. And specifically there was a race that we'd love to do is the four by 100 relay race, right? There's four people run a hundred yards around the track. You got the whole way around the track. But you only have to run as fast as you can for 100 yards and then you pass the baton. The baton is the key thing to pass to the next person and so on and so forth until you win the race. Or you hopefully win the race. This, what Jesus is doing here, is the biggest baton pass the world has ever seen. He's saying, it's your time now to minister to the whole world. (laughs) I mean, this is unbelievable. Jesus, the son of God, God in the flesh, who saved the world by dying on a cross, passes the mission of telling the whole world about him to the 11. Remember 12, Judas, he's not here anymore. This is 11 just normal, if not abnormal guys. These are not the cream of the crop. They're not. There's salty fishermen from Galilee that had trouble following Jesus, that denied him, that made a bunch of mistakes. But he says, Here it is. Here it is. The baton is yours now. The Great Commission is Jesus passing the baton to the disciples. And every believer in every generation since has passed the baton to us. We're part of church history. We're part of the Great Commission. The baton is kept past. So our generation now, throughout the entire world, it's our time. It's our time to run the race. And we have to pass it on to our kids and our grandkids. We have to do that. It's our responsibility. This is our mission. This is our, this is our mission. And if, you, if you're like, well, not me. It's like, no, if, if, unless you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, not you. But I want to tell you about Jesus so that you can partner with me. I'd love you to join with me in this. But our mission is to make disciples of all the nations. No big deal. No no problem, right? Everyone in the entire world, go. That's what these 11 guys were given. That's what we are given. So in this same time period, right, post-resurrection, pre-ascension, Jesus hones down a bit more. He specifies and he categorizes our mission into regions. Now, now we've heard broadly, go tell everybody in the world. Then he, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, if you want to turn there, that'd be awesome. So it's really easy. This is, this is really easy. Just Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. You guys got there? Can you do it? Okay, no. I don't feel good about your answer right now. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, Acts 1.8. Jesus is almost, these are literally his final words. The next verses, he ascends to heaven. Heaven, excuse me. Sorry. At this point, Jesus is in Jerusalem with his boys. And I just want to give you a context. Normally, when someone utters their last words, they're the most important thing they want to say. And they're the thing that we should take hold of as most potent ourselves. This is the final words of Jesus before he goes and sees the father. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Sumeria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, this general all nations things gets narrowed down and specified. The mission gets some geography put to it. There's a start and there's a finish. If you know geography at all, sorry, don't have a map, should have had a map. But Jerusalem, right, capital of Israel, the the, the head of the Jewish religion there, he's in Jerusalem talking to his boys. He says, first, Jerusalem, right where you're at, That's your first missions field. Judea and Samaria were the surrounding regions of Israel around Jerusalem, like the county or the surrounding areas. Greater Israel is what he's talking about. So first in Jerusalem, then outside, then go farther away, and then he jumps. Then he jumps all the way to Hawaii. What what do you mean? Well, he does. Jesus says, I want you to share... The gospel to the remotest part of the earth. Do you guys know where we live? Hawaii is the most remote island chain in the world. Which we, I mean, I'm going to say Jesus is talking about us here in Jerusalem. It's the farthest way you can get. The most remote part of the earth is Hawaii. He jumps from Jerusalem, the surrounding regions of Judea and Samaria, and he says, and then to the rest of the world. So our mission, if we choose to accept it, this is our mission, if we choose to accept it or not, and we can, we can disobey. We cannot, we don't don't have to. We have an option. It'd be disobedient, but we have an option. So our mission, if we choose to accept it or not, is to be witnesses of God's grace and his goodness to everyone in between our home, so that house, if this is our home, that house, To the farthest ends of the world. Everyone in between that is our missions field. And those are our people that we have to minister to. We're going to get to the whole world next week. That's next week. But today, specifically, we're concentrating on what our Jerusalem and what our Judea and Samaria looks like. And as a church, our Jerusalem is town. It's Honolulu. Judea and Samaria actually works perfectly. Is greater Oahu and greater Hawaii. That's, it's actually perfect. That's where we start. That's where we start first. Town, Oahu, neighboring islands, that's our Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. That is where God desires for us to minister and then to the rest of the world doesn't mean that we have to fully do everything in one place first before we moved on to the next but what it should do is help us to put some meat to what Jesus is saying or some places to start the thing is is for us in this room right now if you're if this is home for you unless you're visiting and that that's your home but for us in this room we have distinct areas where God has called us to it's here where we live Other people that live somewhere else are called to there, and we're not, unless God moves you there. But you have to understand, it's like, if we don't do it, I'm not just just saying this room, but if, if we, along with other churches in town, if we don't do it, no one's doing it. Like, it's not happening. It's not. God uses us to see his kingdom come. He doesn't work independently from us, but he works through us kind of like playing basketball. This I don't know about. It's the height thing. I, don't, I didn't play much basketball. I don't really play basketball, but I do know that there's two types of defense. There could be more, but I know two. Zone and man-to-man, right? So zone is you're covering that area of the court. Anything that happens in there, any person that comes in, that's your zone. Also, man-to-man is you're stuck to that man or that, that woman, like right, you're stuck to that person. Wherever that person goes, you just got to cover them. I wish Aaron was here. I would have asked him a basketball question. Is that right, basketball players? 50 50? Okay. Okay. So, Honolulu, Oahu, and Hawaii are specifically our zones. They're our direct mission. All the people that are in it come, go, that's us. That's our zone. That is our missions field. Doesn't mean that other people can't come and minister in it, but it's our primary. And God has like given us stewardship and responsibility to that. Like, hey, go, go tell people about me. And we think this idea of missions is only like far away Africa, right? Africa's missions or or just like so far away, that's missions. But missions is everywhere outside of this building. It's everywhere. We just have coined this thing. We're like, "Oh, you're a missionary," so that means that you're way over there, and it's only for some people. I want to just debunk that. That's what we've made it to be. To be a missionary is to go out those doors and be on mission for Jesus. This is the mission field. So is Africa. So is Asia. Years ago, um, I did a service project on Molokai with Waxer from One Love. Went to his house, built things. Super fun, super sweet time. And. This is before One Love. He was pastoring a church there. And above the door on the way out, I was like 16 years old, it said, now you're entering the missions field. And for me, being 16, I was like, I don't think so. Because missions is there. I don't think so. I don't think what you're saying is true. And then I began to understand that that was really helpful. That was really helpful to change my mindset and my perception. And it was really good, and it affected me. Because it's true, when the church gathered, that's the mission's field. That's on mission for Jesus is going out those doors. You guys with me? So this is how it it can look practically. Number one is that we need to know, wherever we're at, we are to be on mission. In our families, in our jobs, with our neighbors, like you are on mission. It isn't just like this thing where it's going to come to you, and only sometimes you turn it on. It's like you're on mission for God's glory. That's why, as believers, we coin the phrase "on mission," because it's this mindset that mission is everywhere we go. And so our motivation when we do go out there is that we need to remember it's because of what Christ did for us why we go. Like we love others because Christ loved us, First John 4. And much of what it looks like is probably not going up on a shoebox and just telling everybody to repent. That may work. Probably not, though. It's probably going to be more like Jesus. And he, he lived what we call an incarnational ministry. He was God that came down from heaven. He stooped to our level. He dealt with our mess and our junk in order to save us. He came down to our level. He got dirty. He got messy, and so for us, what it may look like is for us to just be with, be in relationship, get to know, serve, and love those people around us that that aren't in our in group, so to speak. That aren't we're not comfortable to be with. That are different than us. But for us to be on mission, it's 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 loving our enemies. It's it's. Extending love when we when we should extend something different. And we do so because God did it for us first. And so what we need to know is that all of us are on mission, number one. Number two is that as a church, looking forward, we want to make prayerful, like strategic partnerships with with other believers and with other organizations in town and on island that are already engaging needs and loving people. We want to do that. The last thing we want reality to do is just like, oh, this is our little club. We don't hang out with anybody else. This is our thing. We do it better. No, this is the kingdom of God going forth and God loves everybody on this island. And so, we want to be able to show Christ's love through service and sacrifice and and giving our time and our resources to those in need. And we wanna be prayerful that God would use it to testify of his love and that people would come to know him, right? That That we would show Christ's love in a way where there's conversations and things come up and people come to know Jesus and enter into discipleship. That is the goal. The number one place that I believe that God is opening up a door is this school. God has given us such tremendous favor here at Ali'i with the principal and the staff and the faculty and even families in the community. And it's a tremendous opportunity to be the church to those around us. And the principal has actually already reached out to us to ask if we, the church, could could do a bunch of stuff for them and with them to really impact the community uh, this fall. And so we're gonna let you guys know about that, but it's pretty incredible it's not normal I would say that this is happening where the, the the school is embracing us wanting us here asking us to partner with them to really love and care for specifically a lot of low-income families they have a really low budget at the school they minister to a lot of pololo and Kaimuki. and so we God has just placed us here and and we get to love those around us as Christ would love them so I want to get you guys excited about that and then also just be aware that we're going to announce that coming up this fall. Um, Other than that, there's also lots of stuff, as you know, social issues that are in need of tremendous care and attention where we live. I mean, tremendous social issues that we as the church, we as believers need to be engaging with these things. We need to be addressing them because God cares about them. And if God cares, we need to care. Like if God cares about that guy or that gal, we need to, and he does. It's a no-brainer. Regardless of their situation, their past, their socioeconomic, what they're doing, what they're dealing, what they're not, like whatever it is, God cares about them and so we as a church need to care. Whether that's homelessness or, I mean, Hawaii, I don't know if you know, but it's huge, I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's incredibly high rate of child abuse and sex trafficking. And there's so much that we can do to come alongside organizations or those that have been affected by that and come and support and love them with the love of Christ. Also, foster care and adoption. These are just some of the things that are close and near to God's heart that we as the church, I would say, absolutely need to be a part of. If you look at church history, some of the most amazing social initiatives that have been invented like hospitals, or because of Christians. I mean, there's there's incredible things that looking to our brothers and sisters that once had the baton and now passing to us, we need to be the church in the world. And I know a handful of you guys are already involved in these things, and we've been talking to you and then we've been reaching out to other things. We're planning to meet with other organizations and so you can join with us to prayerfully commit and engage to partnering with these um, organizations and people but our prayer is that we would would be witnesses and bring hope and restoration with the truth of Christ and disciples would be made, amen? So this fall we plan to have opportunities for you guys to serve but I will kind of end here like this. In light of all this happening, right? The big, broad, and now the more, you know, targeted approach. Number one is I believe that we need to pray for our hearts, all, all of our hearts, to be stirred and strengthened. We need to pray that we would die to self, get over ourselves and what we want, that we would make time for others, that we would give out of maybe our excess or our abundance so that others can have what we have much of. We need to pray that God gives us his heart. And that'll really change anything. God gives you your heart for a certain people, for that person that you pass every day on your way to work, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and ministers, you'll be late to work. You'll cancel the meeting. You'll do without lunch that day and give them your lunch money. Like, right, the Holy Spirit changes us. And we need that. We need to pray that God would make us passionate about his mission that he's invited and called us to be a part of. Amen. Amen. Secondly, um, I want to speak to those of us in this room that have been doing this for a long time and have become tired and weary. For some of you guys, you've been pouring out, ministering, a part of things, uh, trying to reach out to people, maybe a family member or a coworker, and you've just been at it for a long time and you don't feel like there's change. You don't feel like there's hope or you just have been in ministry or whatever the case may be. You've been doing this and you may feel tired and weary. I want to encourage you for a second with something that Paul encouraged the church in Corinth. He said this, he said, therefore, my beloved brethren, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. It hasn't been worthless, your prayers that you've prayed and the things that you've done to minister to those around you. It has not been in vain. I want you to say that. And I also want to say what Paul said to the Galatians, Galatians 6, 9, as an encouragement to you. Let us not become weary in doing good. For in proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. A huge part of the DNA and philosophy of ministry or whatever you want to call it that we believe in as reality and we hold to is that ministry flows from intimacy. Intimacy with Jesus. You need to first be with Jesus, then you can do stuff for him. If you get that out of line, if you do the second before the first, if you neglect your personal relationship with Christ and you just pour out and pour out and pour out, bad things will happen. You become ineffective and burnt out and jaded and bitter. And so as a charge to us this morning, as we enter into worship, as we enter into this season as a church, let's come before Jesus and be with him to receive rest and refreshment and to be strengthened. This is a promise that he told his disciples and he tells us in Matthew 11, 28, 30, speaking to us, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This mission that God's called us to is his. We're partnering with it. He uses us to water and to plant the seeds, but it's him who causes the growth. Don't be burdened by this task. Be be honored to be involved in it. And let's pray that God strengthens us for it. Amen? Amen, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you love us and you love every single man, woman, and child on this island and to the ends of the earth. There is no people group, there's no ethnicity, there's no one that you don't love and that you didn't die for. And so, Lord, would you expand our hearts to love those around us? Give us wisdom, give us discernment of how to do so. But I pray that you'd give us, that we'd be to speak the truth in love, that we have boldness and grace as we walk out of this place. Help us to have a healthy, balanced view of the church gathered and the church scattered. Would you strengthen us? Would you anoint us? Would you empower us to do this? We'd be be fooling ourselves to think that it's ours to do. That we can just do this huge thing. (laughs) Right before you said go to Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth, you said don't go until you receive the Holy Spirit. But once you receive the Holy Spirit, then go. And so God, we're asking for a filling of your Holy Spirit as our helper, as our guide, as our teacher, would you strengthen us to be on mission where we're at, in our jobs, in our families, with our neighbors? We're excited for what you're doing, we're thankful. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us your heart for those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.